Scripture is full of many things. I want to talk tonight about the call that God has placed on you and me. We can read many stories. We can read the story of Samuel who didn't even know what was going on. And he interpreted the call that he had through what he knew up to that point. And so the only thing he knew at that time was that the priest, Eli, would, would call him. And so Samuel would go to see what was going to happen. And so Sam, Eli says, no, I didn't call you. So Samuel, as a little boy or young man, just goes back to bed and has a bit more sleep and suddenly he hears a noise, gets interrupted in the middle of a dream or something. And, and so he, again, he interprets it through what he knows up to that point and, and goes and eventually the backslidden priest, the priest who at one stage moved in the supernatural at one stage was understood about Urims and Tharims where God would reveal himself supernaturally and give direction supernaturally to the children of Israel went, oh my goodness, um, next time Samuel, just say, here am I Lord, I'm listening. And you see, there's many times God can put a call on our life and we interpret it through where we've been rather than where we're going. We interpret it through what we know instead of what God is about to reveal. And so tonight we're just going to talk about some of the things where there's a call on every one of us here tonight. You're here tonight because you're responding to a call. You're here tonight because there is something inside you that says, ah, and, and even though we don't always know it and sometimes we can't put our, 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 our language to it exactly, but it's a call. You see, Scripture is full of an exhortation. It's an exhortation to every person to seek the Lord. The Bible actually says, seek Him while He may be found. And can He be found? Yes, He can. Is He wanting to be found? Yes, He is. He's not saying, I don't want to be found. And so there is a call upon us to seek Him, to call upon Him, and to persist in our approaching God. Because we're encouraged to come boldly. Oh, I'll just talk to church this side. To come boldly. To come boldly. Oh. Well, we'll just try it again. To come boldly. You know, sometimes we, we think when we get to church, you have to behave. I'll tell you what behaving is, to be vocal, to be exuberant, to be there. I'll tell you what not behaving is, to look like a stuffed potato trying to find an onion and, and so you can get in an oven. It's like, but just as well, Jesus is the resurrection because he can do all sorts of things. So we have to persist in approaching God. We have to persevere in our quest for revival. I've had some people say to me, but revival hasn't come. What does that mean to me? It means it's still coming. It means it's still there because God made a promise. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so therefore there is a promise that sits hanging, waiting for people like you and I. And that's why we're here tonight, because there is something inside us which says, I'm going to see that promise fulfilled. I'm going to be a part of that promise being revealed in the earth in our day and our generation. So I want to read just to prove I'm a good Pentecostal preacher one verse, no, two. And so from Isaiah chapter 62, 
verses 6 and 7. And this is, uh, I'm just reading from the nearly inspired version, uh, the NIV. And it says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. In this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah is the prophet of the kingdom. Each of the prophets have a particular focus and a particular mandate. And so Isaiah is where we read so much about the kingdom, about the establishment of the kingdom. That's where we read the prophecies about Jesus coming. It's about the fact that the government would be upon his shoulders and of the increase of his government, there'll never be an end. Oh, praise God, there's an end to every every uh, human government, but there's no end to the government of Jesus. There is no end. And what's more, it's increasing and increasing. We're seeing it all around the world at the moment. There's been many researches done and studies done and everything else. And it's talking about around the world, faith is increasing. And now some are looking at um, Buddha. Some are looking at Muhammad. But the biggest faith that's increasing in the world today is Christianity. It's just growing. And we can sit in New Zealand in our lovely, nice, calm spot on the planet. I was talking to someone overseas and he said to me the other day, he said, well, at least in New Zealand, he said, I've just been investigating what it would take for me to come to New Zealand and to live in New Zealand because he said, I'm living in Europe, and if this all turns like it could do over here, he said, I would wish I was in New Zealand because you're going to be safe from nuclear explosions and everything else. And, 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 but the government is upon Jesus' shoulders. You know what? Putin is not dictating the future of the earth. Jesus is. And we should never forget that. And so in this passage, there is great encouragement and exhortation for us to see things through the eyes of God and not just our circumstances. There are a number of little phrases and components in this passage we'll just for a moment look at. But notice how it says, God says, I have placed watchmen. Now, the reality is this. When we talk about a watchman, many times, and if you've studied history and you've studied different things, it says, watchman, what do they do? And you say, well, they're looking out for trouble. They're looking out for this and they're looking out for that. And, of course, I've met people that say, well, you know, I'm a watchman. What are they busy watching? They're looking at what the devil is doing. Well, I think that's a little stupid because there's no life there. Here it says that he has set watchmen. What for? The purpose of watchmen is not necessarily to see what the enemy is doing. In Scripture, there's a primary focus for watchmen, and that is to see what God is doing. To see what God is doing. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And we see this incredible reality that when we look at uh, the New Testament, at the apostles, Peter gives very clear direction in chapter 3 of Second Peter, we read that we are to live holy and godly lives. That doesn't mean boring, by the way. 
Uh, we'll try church on this side. That doesn't mean boring. Holy is not a boring word. You know, it's really easy to be a Christian. Being double-minded is really hard. Trying to ride two horses at the same time is a recipe for a disaster. Especially if they're going in opposite directions. Because one's going towards heaven and one's going to hell. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) And that's why the Bible says, don't be double-minded. It says, whoa... I was speaking to a Bible school in Perth yesterday, and it was just a privilege. And then there were some questions just in the middle that they were asking me questions. And, and someone asked the question, and I just said, yes, I'm 69, and I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven, and I got baptized in the Spirit when I was seven, and I've spoken in tongues ever since. But I said, I can honestly say I, have, I can't remember one second when I ever thought I was going to stop following Jesus. Because I couldn't see any value in what the world was offering me. I wasn't going to try and ride that horse as well. Because I read the end of the book. I know how it's all going to end. And so Peter starts to give us some instruction. And he says, we're to live joyfully as we look at the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus is what we're supposed to be looking at. I'm not looking to see what the devil is doing. I'm aware of what he's doing, but he hasn't got my attention. What's got my attention is the fact that there are promises to be fulfilled of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the preparation that you and I are to be part of so that we can see the day. Because Peter goes on to say, we look for it and we cause it to come. Why? Because we can say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. That's supposed to be the great cry of Christianity all around the world because he's looking for people who will say, I don't care what everything else is. But come on, Jesus, come on. You see, saying come on, Jesus is not sort of fire insurance from hell. It's a desire inside us which says, I want to see your glory covering the earth like the waters cover the sea. I want to see the prophets, promises of the prophets fulfilled. And so, oh, kaparanda, oh, this is good preaching, Seth. And so, yeah, <laughs> Well, yeah, 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 and and so we 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 Whoa, you can stay sober if you like, but I'm drinking on the job. But we looked in at the book of the Revelation. Now, Revelation is actually not all about the end times. It's a revelation of Jesus, of Jesus in His glory, of Jesus in His majesty, of Jesus as seated in the place where He's designed to seat. We are not designed to be scaremongers. We are not designed to be fear suckers. We are designed to be glory people. Glory people. We're designed for the glory of God. And so here in this 
as the book wraps up, as the revelation given to John is wrapping up, it all wraps up with, and the Spirit and the bride say, come, come. And then it goes on to say in chapter 22 and verse 17, and let those who hear say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Oh, what is this talking about? Well, I believe that this is talking about our desire to keep drinking of the Holy Spirit. Because there is only one person who is called the Spirit of life. There is only one person who is actually described as water. And that's the Holy Spirit. And so to the one who wishes, there is no limits. There is no bars. There is nothing to stop us from saying, more Lord, more Lord. And yet the reality is we can have a move of God. And there has been moves of God down through Christian history. And, and then people stop saying more. And they stopped saying more and they started to adjust their life to some other circumstance. And there were preachers who started to adjust their message to other circumstances instead of being focused on what the last command in the Bible is, that keep drinking, keep drinking, keep drinking. Let him who desires drink of the water of life. And tonight we're here because God has put a call on us to say come, but to be able to say that and to keep on saying it and to say it with conviction and enticement to the King of Kings to split the sky, we need the Holy Spirit. I've been telling some people in one of the Zooms that I've done of different leaders around the nation, different groups of leaders, one um, man, he asked me, said, how have you stayed buoyant and joyous all these years? I said, because I didn't find an alternative that was very attractive. I mean, it's so much fun to drink of the Spirit, to drink of the Yabokushumborunda. We need steps on that side. We don't have to worry about the cameraman chasing me. You look like you need some more because <laughs> you don't look like you came to church to say, stay sober. <laughs> no, that way, that way. <laughs> Are you driving home, Caroline? <laughs> yeah, well, God bless you as you drive home at midnight. <laughs> you say, why, why would I do that? Because it's fun. I mean, how, how much can we have? I don't know. You see, so many times we get to the limit of our comfort instead of we've got to learn to adjust to the bountiful supply, to the some people on this side are saying, I wish you'd come here. Wait, your turn. It's <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But, 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 but. As, as, as we were looking at this passage in, in Isaiah, we should never read the Old Testament through Old Testament filters. We must read the Old Testament through the filter of the New Testament with New Testament revelation. And so, well, so here we see this passage which is talking about, I've set watchmen who are then have to do certain things. And what are they told to do? 
Never be silent. Come, Lord, come, come, come. Oh, yeah. And what else are they told? Give yourself no rest. Oh, oh well, I didn't join in worship because I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about the other countries I go to. Just, just, well, I used to. I will soon. It's, it's, it's oh, you know, I, um, I, I just had other things to do. You had what? Oh, well, I was too busy. Someone was uh, speaking to me recently, and I'm not boasting. It's just, it's been the life of Debbie and I. And, 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 and they said, oh, well, you know. And one of our girls was there, and they were nearly going to just go, and I was just behaved myself for one second. But it was like, really? Really? We had five little girls. I had a job where I could be sacked at 10 minutes' notice. I was doing youth group on a Wednesday night. I was doing a Bible study on a Thursday night. I was preaching at least. I was leading worship. Oh. You see, if you want to see the glory of God, you can't shape it around your comfort. You can't shape it around your comfort. You're here tonight because you are willing to let some comfort go. But we've got to pray that there'll be more and more people and when the Spirit starts moving. You see, we, we, we know what it is and people, we know what it has been. We would turn the lights out for 20 weeks. We were turning the lights out at midnight just to tell people, go home. And, and, and six nights a week. And, and, and so, oh, Kaposhundula, Yaboshunda. And you know what? It was glorious. And you can look back and say, how did he do it? Because the spirit who's calling you is the spirit who will strengthen you and enable you because God works within you to will and to desire of his good pleasure. And that's why we drink. And that's why we drink. And that's why we drink. Because then we can do what we can't do. But we do. In response to him, glorious things. And so we give ourselves no rest. And then it says, and we must give God no rest. We must give God no rest. Oh, and, and some of you heard the story, but it's a good story. I'm going to tell it again. I'm going to never stop telling the story. But on the 12th of March, we'd had Sunday morning, and it was like the air was electric. And the hair, I, oh, I can grow it not up there, but down here. And so ha, that was one of the funny stories of being in Nagaland. When I was in Nagaland with Stephen McWilliams, and, 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 and suddenly there, there was some young people there, and I, and I turned to the translator because they were looking and I could tell they were talking. And I said to him, I said, they'd never seen a white man before. We were way up in the mountains. They'd never seen a white man. And they said, to, were saying to each other and the translator confirmed that this is what they were saying. These white men are funny. They can't grow hair on their head, but they grow it on their arms because <laughs> they, they didn't have hair on their arms. And so... Yeah, but the reality is, give yourself no rest. Give yourself no rest. But we were there and giving God no rest. And that afternoon, there was a group of people who had been involved in the youth group where we had a move of God and the children's ministry where God was starting to move and some things were starting to happen. And suddenly we had about 30 people in this little bungalow we were in. And I walked up and down this little, the lounge I don't think was much bigger than, what is that, as, as wide as this. I remember walking up and down 
God, that's not fair. You can't do that. That's not who you are. To come that close and not finish the deal, that's not fair. Because I was giving God no rest. I was giving him no rest. It wasn't fair. We had done things for two years. We'd been putting comfort aside and, and all sorts of stuff. And God, that's not fair. And then at quarter past eight on that night, suddenly the heavens opened and the glory of God came down. And people said to me, oh, you'll have it for a while. I said, you go smoke a different weed. The reality is we've waited all our life for this and we're not going to give up because we're not going to give God any rest. And we're here tonight because we're not giving God any rest. Can you say glory? Oh yes. You see, it's easy to see this passage and to hear a story like this and say, well, that's very demanding. And, and, and words too. Oh, I don't think I can do that. I've got good news for you. You can't. In your strength. But when you drink of the Spirit, it's possible because with God, all things are possible. And so God doesn't ask us to do what He can't equip us for. But He does ask for us to understand. We don't belong to ourselves. We've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And there is a fresh call that's going out around the world for discipleship to say, who wants to see my glory? Who's going to give me no rest? And so Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And, and, and we can hear a thing like that. Oh, give yourself no rest. His yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you interpret that through your soul, you're never going to see the glory of God, but you receive it in the Spirit and something starts to get a fire on the inside. It's a bit like when you see the word, Jesus looked at the crowd and had compassion. That does not mean he looked at the crowd and felt sorry for them. The, ancient, the original meaning of the word compassion is you see something and there is a fire that rises on the inside of you which says, I'm going to do something about this. Uraba Shanda. And we've got to have compassion on the world. We've got to see people rising up with a fire in their belly and say, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to... I'm preaching to the choir, but you're singing really well. And so for all of this, what does it say there? But he who desires this, he who desires, he who's hearing this call, drink, drink, drink. The free gift. Why is it free? Because Jesus paid it all. Oh, I grew up singing hymns. I grew up singing. I, 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 I've led worship since I was 15. I, I, I know so many hundreds of hymns I can just quickly sing. Thousands of them. Choruses and songs. But there's one that sits in my spirit. And I burst into it. I woke up the other morning singing it. As I wake up most morning in my spirit, I, I'm, I'm singing a song. And I woke up and I was singing, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And I said, Jesus, it's a joy to serve you. <sighs> you see, God does everything so that we will succeed in our Christian living and calling. God hasn't set us up for failure. He set us up for success. 
Oh, the devil comes along and tries to mealy mouth something and go, oh, you know, you can't do that. Oh, really? Because huh? whenever he speaks, it's a lie. So that if he says, I can't do it, that means I can. Because <laughs> the Bible says the truth isn't in him. So if he's saying, I can't, that means I can. Oh, yeah, so good. Dang. I really enjoy ticking off the devil. Hey. But in Philippians 2, it says, in verse 13, it's a, I just love this verse. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his great purpose. Oh, there's a translation by William Barclay, who was a great scholar, and he did a paraphrased translation, and and he said, it's God who puts in you the will to desire and then gives you the power to achieve it. Oh, so he puts something in you and you go, ooh. And before you have a chance to say, I can't do that, he goes, and by the way, here's some dynamite. Go do it. I'm, I'm, I'm being encouraged to be a bit careful telling some of my dynamite stories. Some young people around don't have the privilege that I had. But, oh my goodness. The, it's so easy to think of the Holy Spirit as something else other than high explosive. But it's the same word. You shall receive dunamis. It's the same word as we use for dynamite. Uh, for those of you who don't know what dynamite is, I, I feel sorry for you. It's awesome. Now, we are clearly told. You see, God's setting us up to succeed. We are clearly told that God has given everybody a measure of faith. Now, now, now it's the side's turn. I'm, I'm just, this is inspection time. I'm just coming to check on your measure of faith. Oh, you're stealing my notes so as you can do the, the double next. <laughs> you know, so many times, do we actually take stock of our faith? It's so easy to take stock of everything else, but he's given us a measure of faith. And then the Bible says that faith pleases him. And so if we're wanting his pleasure, he's given us the very thing in order to please him. And when we start to use what he's given us, something happens. It's like his face, face gets turned towards us. Oh. Wow. And then I hear Christians go, well, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't have faith. I had a pastor ask me last, uh, say to me last year, he, he said, well, I, I don't have the faith you have. And, and being such a nice man, I, I just said, well, why not? And he looked at me like, what? I said, well, that's a good question. Why not? Because we've all been given a measure of faith and we're all expected to then steward it 
Because to him who has shall be given and he shall have the abundance. And, and, and we're expected to use it, not, not put it in the ground and not just go, well, 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 I mean, how miserable can you be? I have no intention of finding out. And so God has given us all a measure of faith. And all of this is so that we can give him no rest. And so even when we start demanding, say, come on, God, come on, come on. That's an expression of faith, that God's going to be faithful to his word. He's going to be faithful to his promise. And then in the oldest book of the Bible, I'm going to preach a sermon one day on, on it. I've got it sitting there waiting for it to be delivered one day. But in the oldest book of the Bible, which is Job, so this, this is like the first prophetic revelations to humans. It says that the righteous, the righteous are people of faith. The righteous shall declare a thing and it shall be established. Whoa! Kurabo Shunda. But you've got to do it in faith. So, as I think about closing, no promises, because I know what it is to turn the lights out at midnight. So, we have a story I want to share quickly in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great story. It's the story of the restoration of Jerusalem. In the passage in Isaiah, we, we read about Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was the place of worship. It was the place where people would go up to worship the king. And we mightn't be going to the physical Jerusalem, but in a spiritual way, we come here because it's like a spiritual Jerusalem. Of just It's the place we come to worship the Lord, to lift up the name, to encourage one another in, in the presence of God and to have the supernatural things revealed. See, everything in the Old Testament was supernatural. I mean, even the priest, the high priest, when he came to make atonement for sin, there was a curtain there. I love this story. There was a curtain. And there was so much detail given to us about how the tabernacle was done and how the tent was done. And it talks about how they would come in and all the rest of it. But that curtain that was there, it had no opening. And the priest would come bearing a sacrifice to go into the Holy of Holies, to make atonement for the sins of the nation. And as they worshipped, as they declared the faithfulness of God, Jewish scholars, and I've been there with the Messianic Jews and asked the question, and they said, yes. They said, God would literally take the high priest through the veil. And that's why it talks about going through the veil would literally just be taken through the veil, just like Jesus went through the wall and appeared to them. Would literally, supernaturally be taken through the veil. God's always moved supernaturally. He's always done supernatural stuff. Why? Because He's supernatural. Oh, by the way, so are you. You're a supernatural being who happens to cart around a natural body. Some in better shape than others. <laughs> we have the story of Nehemiah where Jerusalem, the place of worship, had been destroyed. Incredible things had happened and Nehemiah 
He didn't want to hear what all the people were saying who were saying, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad. It's what's happening in churches all around New Zealand. Oh, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's so bad. But Nehemiah, it says, went out. So no other voices could get at him. And he went through it. And he saw a city rebuilt. Others were seeing the ruins, but he saw the house of God restored. He saw the city with its walls and its gates and everything else. He saw what was not yet there. And you and I have to be like Nehemiah. And we have to be the people who see the glory of God, who have to see a move of God, who have to see what the others may not yet be seen. But it's got to be our spirit. That's what we've got to see. And that's why it says looking at what God is doing, looking unto Him, the perfect of our faith and so in this amazing story and and suddenly people went oh my goodness because he started to share the vision just like Pastor Paul was sharing the vision about what we've got to be looking at this morning he was sharing a great vision about come on folks we've got to see this and and that's what Nehemiah did and he gathered and suddenly the people said okay we can see it we can do it And there's a cry that God is expecting to arise in New Zealand of people who say, we can do it by the help of our God. (laughs) And that's what the the psalmist said. By my God, I'm going to run through. By my God, I'm going to leap over. By my God. And so here we have the story of Nehemiah and and the walls got built. There were some scoundrels who came along and said, well, that'll never happen again. I've heard some people say, you know, the church will never be the same again. On one hand, it's not going to be. But on the other hand, as we were hearing this morning, but the glory of what is to come is going to exceed the glory of what has been. I've known some moves of God in my life, but this is what I know, that the end is not yet here, and I'm going to see more than I've seen in my life. I'm going to see more than I've seen up till now. I've seen amazing miracles. I've experienced amazing things. But all I know is this, that there is more to come because the river of God gets wider and deeper, and it's like it takes control. And so here in this story, there is much for us to encourage us tonight because we are living at a time when the house of the Lord has to be rebuilt. It has to be rebuilt after the ravages of a pandemic. Yes, I've been talking to Paul about a wall there. And according to my measurements, we can do another wall here. Because if you're allowed a hundred, well, you can have a hundred here and a hundred there. And yes, we can bring some scaffolding in and you can have a balcony and that's another defined space. And, 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 and people say to me, why would you do that? Because I've seen, I've seen, and he's put a call on us. He's put a call on us to be a revival generation. He's put a call on us to be those that hasten unto and bring in the coming of Jesus. Oh, Kapa Shanda. And the house of the Lord has to be rebuilt. Hora Bashanda. Rima Munda. The reality is this. I know that there's been people that in New Zealand have been absolutely, I I haven't seen it myself because I refuse to look at negative stuff, but I was told that that Paul and, and and the elders were castigated publicly for putting a wall up. Well, I'm not having my life shaped by naysayers. Oh, you can't do that. 
Really? Watch this. So we've got to see the house of the Lord rebuilt in New Zealand. And that's part of the call on us. And that's why we're here. Hey, we're up for it. We're up for it. Oh, I'll just talk to church this side. We're up for it. Yeah. Huh? I've seen amazing miracles. I have. One miracle. There's a person who had this big cyst up here and it was affecting their neck and they couldn't move and they were like oh would you pray for me please pastor said it was up in Auckland would I pray for them (laughs) hello do I breathe and I put my hand on the shoulder she hasn't got a cyst but I just put my hand just that's all I did and under my hand this big cyst, which was as big as a baseball, just disappeared. Wow. And suddenly, the man's moving the neck, and he's going, it's gone. Well, yes. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, I can go on and on with stories that I've had the privilege of being part of when we just cooperate. And let our faith override our thinking. I just want to talk to church on this side, because some of you need to hear. Let our faith override our thinking. Because our thinking is an operation of the soul. Our faith has to be an operation of the spirit. (sighs) This is really good, isn't it? She's looking at me like, do I trust you? No, you don't. (laughs) You shouldn't. (laughs) She'll tell you that. (laughs) Why did you stop? (laughs) Judy, were you part of that gathering in our house on that afternoon? I don't know. If, uh, no, no. I think Miriam might have been there. No, no, no. Stay in your seat. Oh, this is a, a great tag. It says prayer ministry. We'll have some soon. Uh, so why, why did I do it? Because it's fun. Because God, he's rejoicing over us with singing. You know, sometimes you forget that God is a great worshipper. He's a great worship leader. Me, I, I have, a, as you can tell tonight, I have a Pavarotti voice. It's just amazing. It's just the passage out is a bit rough, but that's okay. We're living in a time when narratives of fear and Soulish self-protection have been just everywhere. But it's time to rebuild the house of the Lord. And we don't do that based on fear. And we don't do that based on self-protection. Because the prophet said, we give ourselves no rest while we give him no rest. 
We are living when we must overcome the focus on circumstances and instead focus on what God has in store because his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And we focus on the promises which said he's going to pour out his spirit in a way which has never happened before. So in the story of Nehemiah, they had rebuilt and they were doing some amazing things. And he said, we're at the next stage. I have to put some people in charge of certain things. And in chapter 7, verse 2, we read of an amazing man. And he said, I put in charge of Jerusalem, my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. That phrase, he feared God more than most. What an accolade to have for all of eternity, to be known for all eternity as the man who feared God, who honored God, who loved God, who sought God more than most people around him. Imagine you having an accolade like that. Imagine you having your name for all eternity as that is the person who worshipped God, who feared God more than everyone else. When other people said, we're done, they kept worshipping. When other people said, nothing's happened, they kept worshipping. And I believe that there is a call on us to be those people of whom it is said for all eternity, they worshipped God, they served God, they feared God, they loved God more than most. And I'm determined I'm going to be part of the more than most. And what's more, Han and I got it in the Old Testament. We've got the new covenant. Wow, we've got what he didn't even have. He was under the old covenant. We're under the new. We've got the great helper, the Holy Spirit. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is perseverance. Ah, I've shared the story of we had the move going in 2000 and we gathered some pastors together just to say, well, this is what we're going to do and you're going to have to look after some of the people who are getting born again and backsliders coming to the Lord. 900 cards of first-time decisions, uh, 3,500 of people who have been away from God coming back to God and, and, and just populating churches everywhere. And in the end, one of the pastors, as we said, anyone got any questions, one of them said, Seth, why is this happening to you? And Michael Livengood, who some of you know, he said, I'll answer that. And he started teasing me and he said, because Seth was too thick to know when to give up. It wasn't that I was too thick. It was that this, this prophecy which says, give him no rest. Give him no rest so that he's faithful. In the NIV study Bible in Hebrews chapter 3, it gives a note which says perseverance is the hallmark of God's children because it's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as we continue in this great enterprise we're in, as we continue in this glorious quest 
for revival. As we continue to run with patience the race that has been set out before us. Because there's a call on you. There's a call on you to be part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this day and this generation. I love what God did 20 years ago. But there's a new generation. There's a generation who have to know what God has done. Who have to know who God is. Who have to know that He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so how are we going to do it? We're going to make the most of every opportunity. We're going to keep on being filled with the Spirit. Because that's what Jude, the brother of Jesus, said. He said, but you, beloved, you, dear friends, different translations say, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and keep yourself there while you wait for the day when the sky splits. And the King of Kings comes. And oh my goodness, you know, God is this great disruptor because the Bible clearly says that He's going to come and His feet are going to come upon the Mount of Olives and there's going to be such a shaking, there's going to be such an earthquake that the the Mediterranean Sea, because the hills are going to be split and the Mediterranean Sea is going to flood into 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 the Jordan Valley. I do not want to be living in the Jordan Valley. People are fighting over having the Jordan Valley. I says, why have that? Because the Bible clearly says that it's going to get flooded. (laughs) Well, shukur ambahanda. Oh, ram And it says, don't take a substitute, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't take a substitute, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what it means when it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Could you stand with me, please? Thank you for a patient hearing. But in just a moment, There's an opportunity for us all to say, I'm in. I'm in. We're here tonight because there's a call. But there is also the opportunity to say, I'm in. I'm in. Even though it's going to be at times to my my humanity, it might be inconvenient. At times it might seem like... It's something that we can't do very easily. But by the help of our God, by the promise of His Spirit, by the fact that He has made such glorious promises. There are some of you who have had prophecies over your life. Some of you have served in different areas and perhaps in other churches and you may not have seen what you were looking for to see and all sorts of things that's gone on. It's just called the way things are because people make decisions. But tonight we make a fresh decision to say, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. There is a call on us to be the people of the Holy Spirit. And so we say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. So why don't you just step out of where you're at and and just come forward? I have no idea what God's going to do in these next few minutes. But there is something that he's going to do. He's going to uh, reinforce his call on your life. He's going to encourage you. He's going to, maybe he'll reveal something to you. And maybe it's Just you'll feel like a fire coming on you. Some of you will feel like a peace coming on you. There's all sorts of ways that the Spirit moves. He's not cookie cutter. He treats every one of us as an individual. But come Holy Spirit. 
Come, Holy Spirit, in a fresh way for each one of us. Reinforce, even as we say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. We say, yes. Yes to the call. We say, yes to the call. As you're responding, you're saying, yes to the call. Yes to the call. If you can speak in tongues, go ahead and just start to pray in the Spirit because that's what Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, said. But you, beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We pray in the Spirit to respond to the Spirit. And if you cannot speak in tongues, then say, God, I give you no rest. I give you no rest. I give you no rest. I'm not going to be passive about this. I'm going to give you no rest. People ask me sometimes, how do I know it's all going to happen? All I know is this, God wastes nothing. And so He he hasn't given Hope Centre a facility like this just to be empty like this. Therefore, things are going to change. Therefore, things are going to change. Therefore, things are going to change. And other churches, He hasn't given them facility just for it to be empty. Things are going to change. As the prayer ministry team can just start and, and, and just bless, just bless. Just go ahead, just lay a hand on the shoulder or the head and just bless and just say, more more how much more more how much more 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 it's a big prayer tonight more they might need to have uh, one or two people lady or man just just with some of the pre-ministry team because um, I think some things might start to happen more 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 Shandaya Manzai Parandaila Burundo Lufunda Radaya Zimananaya Buranda more Wow Kaboshunda Wenzai Mana Mananda Mananda more whoa Shukurandaya Puranda more more and if you want another word fire <laughs> Fire, <laughs> fire, shukurandaida bashanda ramana maranda. But let's just just say yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I respond to your call. I respond to your call. Kara baranda rama nondola faranda liana masaya vinzamana maranda liama nondola faranda. Aya ya boshundola ma kaso paranda ira baranda laila vinamana yana maya surondola kaya paranda jaya ya suranda ira baranda mana moronda horayanda daya Holy Spirit Holy Spirit Holy Spirit yes oko ya shamanda hara maranda rayana maranda sipurondoya vinzamana ira baranda rama surondola aya burundi ya sufrindi. Mira and Ida Baranda and Ida Bushunda, Vinza Mana and Ida.